Hello, hello. Welcome to the Eddie Conversation Podcast. My name is Eddie V. Hill, and I am your host. I am a script supervisor living in Los Angeles, California. This is episode number 56, I believe. Yep, yep. And joining me today is Aaron Sauerland. Sauerland? Yep, Sauerland. Yeah, yes. thank you. <laughs> also a script supervisor, uh, union, local, 871. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming out. I know we've been chatting for a little bit about uh, about getting getting this, and I feel like I brought it up, but yeah, stuff, whatever. Yeah, um, work comes up. It's the freelance life. <laughs> so the exciting thing for me talking to you is, uh, oh, I guess I will recap that we I've talked to script supervisors before. Yeah. Um, we were talking about it pre pre rolling a little bit, and I know I've been wanting to have more conversations with union script supervisors, as that's uh, you know a goal for me and a lot of a lot of other script supervisors trying to make that next step in mm-hmm. getting um, some insight and in maybe your journey and kind of the transition in and what it's like in the union world versus non union. We'll get to all that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I will shout out the other episodes in case in case you're new to the show. Uh, I have chatted with these are all Los Angeles script supervisors. Uh, episode twenty, Sarah Gerritsen. Uh, Twenty nine, Ari Halpern. 43, Nick Robinson, and 44, Carissa McQueen. So a nice gamut of different experiences, different backgrounds, because script supervising is weird. <laughs> Question number one, just before you even jump into who you are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What I like to ask, what um, what is what does a script supervisor do? Uh, for for those that aren't familiar, how do you how do you ex- explain your job to people? Um, I like to tell people. Well, there's kind of two two definitions that I say. Um, if I'm just uh like talking to like a family member or a family friend or something like that, someone who's not going to understand anything I'm going to say anyway, I usually give like the most bare bones version of it, which is like I'm kind of like an onset secretary. And, like, I preface this with saying that, like, I know that that, like, belittles our job very much to say. But it's, like, the most layman terms, I think, uh, version of what we do. Because, like, we are a note taker. Like, like extensively, our job is taking notes. So, like, for anyone who's, like, not in the industry or someone who's, like, just doesn't care, doesn't um, know much about the industry, um, I use that definition. But uh, so onset secretary, <laughs> and then and then people they'll be satisfied with that answer. They're like, oh, okay, I, I now I totally get what you do. Yeah, I mean, usually I'll, I'll be like, oh, I'm like an onset secretary, basically like taking notes for um for the team to cut the film and make sure it cuts. And then usually they're like, oh, okay, and then that's that, and like they don't ask anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but if I were to like actually answer um. Like to anyone else, um, like on like on set, sometimes people are curious too. One hundred percent. I I like to say that you know we're the liaison between production and post production. Like we ensure that everything that we shoot on set cuts together and um, tells the story the way that the director and the screenwriter and at least intended uh, at the moment. <laughs> yes. Okay. 
Great. Yeah, it's very simple. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Very good. You've had some practice <laughs> at uh, getting that out. Because I know, I know um, if, you, if you listen to how others describe it, sometimes it's like a five-minute explanation trying to explain all the facets what we do um because there's a lot of facets <sighs> okay so let me just pull up my notes here yeah so aaron i'll just keep saying your name yeah do, do it <laughs> so let's i guess um let's get a little bit of background on who you are uh how long you how where when you kind of um found your way to script supervising what you're up to prior to that if i don't know just yeah what's the let's let's start there yeah um okay so i'm from chicago originally um well the suburbs of chicago but it's so much easier to just say chicago yeah because no one knows um but uh i wanted to do like film i wanted to work in film since i can remember um and so um you know, I started writing stories and et cetera. And like when I was in like fourth grade, I was like shooting films with my friends. And um, so uh, that's always been my path. And then uh, when it came time for college, I went to Columbia College, Chicago, and I was studying writing and directing. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like my sophomore year or junior year. And uh, I needed to fill a credit and uh i saw like a script supervising class and uh being that i was studying writing and directing i was like oh okay yeah like script supervising that's got something to do with screenwriting right because right. <laughs> right. i had no idea like what the position was and um on the first day of class the uh professor walks in and she's like if you think this class has anything to do with screenwriting then like and get out quick. yeah you're, you're wrong like be ready it's not too late for you to switch <laughs> and um i figured like how i didn't even know what this position does so um i went ahead and just like stuck with it i did the class um and uh enjoyed it a lot i mean i loved i instantly fell in love with the fact that um you're working with all the department heads so closely uh, it was really cool being on set that like, I always remember the first time being on set for these. Um, the class starts you with thesis films. So you're a script supervisor for like another student's thesis project um, for like, yep. usually, usually like a grad student or something. And so um, it was really cool, though, like being on set and being that kind of like point of contact, essentially, where like people will turn to you and be like, hey, like this will cut. Right. Or like, do we have everything and that was kind of like that first taste of like um, the collaborative element that our position offers. And um, so I did that. And then uh, at the end of that class, the uh, professor was working on a um, uh, was working on a film and she needed a couple of days off and uh, she asked me to cover her. And so that was my first gig. So that class led me right into my first gig and uh that led to the next one and the next one and uh, kind of rolled from there. And then I moved out here and here I am. <laughs> okay. Yes. Nice. Okay. No, it sounds, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Sorry that I, no, I talk a great. lot. No, so it's like... great. It's great. Okay. <laughs> Interrupt as, as so, being. So pro- pre, the, so the class was something you just jumped into not knowing what to expect. You just needed an extra credit. Exactly. Potentially. Yeah. 
I didn't even know what script supervising was. Right. I never even heard of a script supervisor Yeah, before. I didn't even know they taught classes on it at mm-hmm. schools. Um, so prior to that, what was your had you like you said you had made some stuff yourself. Yeah. What was the you mentioned writing and uh so what what was what's the I guess like what's the dream or what was the dream pre finding it or how how do you how do you see it now? Yeah, I mean, uh my plan is still to write and direct. Um that's always been my end goal. Um script supervising is great, I feel like, um, as a transitional bridge or as an end cap. It just depends on how you see yourself in, in the industry and how you fit. Um but for me, um that writing and directing has always been the end goal and uh Script supervising allows you, like I said, it's such um, intermingling of uh, department heads. Yeah. And so um, you're constantly making these contacts with producers and directors and writers and cinematographers. Yep. And so you're um, you're always learning in this position um, as long as you are um, open to it. And um, so I guess that, yeah, my end goal is still to write and direct. And script supervising has like been a great, um, like almost like the best master class you can ever have, just because. Yeah, you're basically shadowing directors as your job. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's how I see it too. Exactly. So uh, yeah, so that's still the end goal. That's like uh, always been the 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 main thing. Um, but uh, I still take pride in what I do. I love script supervising um, for many reasons, but. Um, being a bridge is also just one of those uh, great bonuses of the of the job. Yeah, supporting other directors is uh, is a beautiful thing. Yeah. So yeah, no, I totally get it. Okay, so um, I know a lot of people. Let's just say I don't know how often we have a a group in Los Angeles called the uh, LASSN Los mm-hmm. Angeles Script Supervisor Network. Um, you can go to the website. <laughs> yep. Uh so there's like a weekly weekly meetups and stuff the the community tries to get together. I don't know how often. Yeah, monthly, once a month. Yeah, I don't know how often you've checked that out or you've jumped in, but I know uh as of late it's been mostly virtual and, and Zoom based and it's it, it kind of I know a lot of a lot of same thing has come up each time with a lot of newer script supervisors are trying to figure out how do I how do I what, what days get counted for yeah. for joining the union? How do I get into the union? Going through contract services, like all the yeah, gripes and, and all that stuff. So how how I'm like how long have you been at it? How how did it work from transitioning from Chicago to LA? Mm-hmm. And then how long were you non-union before you made the jump? And and um, and then we'll get into maybe we'll talk to some of the. I don't know. How long have you been union? I guess for I've been for union. Uh, I think this is three years now. Three, okay. Three. Yeah, like three, three and a half. That's not. Like that. Yeah. Okay. So you probably still remember pre-union days. It hasn't, oh, it absolutely. Has, it hasn't been. It hasn't been that long. No, the non-union heavily outweigh the union years <laughs> so far. <laughs> yes. Okay. So how does that all? How does that all play? Um. Okay. Well. Uh. First off, as far as like. I mean, where where should I start? Should I start with let's start transitioning let's, or yeah, how the two juxtapose? Or? Let's start with how did you know it was time to move to Los Angeles when you were already working 
in the position in Chicago or what? Yeah. yeah. Let's start with that and then we'll make our way. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, LA was always like, similarly to the writing and directing being the end goal. Like LA was always part of that too. Um, and like working in Chicago, uh, you learn really fast that it's a small, t- like, it's a really small town, yeah. especially in comparison to LA. And, um, like, unless you want to work on, like, you know, Chicago PD or, you know. Chicago Fire. Chicago Med. Chicago, Chicago P- yeah, yeah. Yeah, any one of those. Unless you <laughs> want to work on one of those shows or uh, commercials, um, it's not really, like, your town. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and you know, and as, as a single position department, as, as you know, a, a department of one, um, if those shows have a script soup, they have a script soup. So, like, yeah, it's going to be really hard for you to, like, get in there in that position in that regard. And um, when I was working there, I did a lot of, like, the features that just rolled through town. And so, um, and a lot of those are, like, really low budget. And um, so, anyway, it was always my plan to transition out to L.A. And uh, my college offered a semester in L.A. program that you could do as your final semester and so that offered basically like a natural bridge um, over here, you know. Okay. And, um, so I, I ended up moving out here. And then when I moved out here, you know, you're starting at zero. Like I didn't have any contacts or anything like that. Um, so sure, it's, sure. <laughs> it's basically starting at ground zero again. Um, all your networks in Chicago. So um, I did I think what a lot of people do, which is like look on Craigslist, but um, Facebook groups. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, I've never. No, I've never. Free jump in anytime. Don't <laughs> no, ever no, feel No, no, for rude. sure. No, I'm. Not, I don't. Okay. I've never tried looking on Craigslist for script supervisor gig. Does that something that that worked for you? Did that? Did that? I mean, yeah. I I got a couple jobs from from Craigslist. Um, before. I don't know. I would say, from my own personal experience, it seems like AFI Films used to ho- post a lot of their job searches on Craigslist. Huh. And then um, now I feel like I see them all on Facebook. And I don't know if that's just that the Facebook groups have become larger or if I wasn't maybe even in the Facebook groups at the time um, back in 2015 when I first moved out here. Yeah, so I guess – okay. So the you you explored the traditional avenues of probably like the Mandy dot com, yeah, yeah, me industry up. jump, um, yeah, <laughs> all those just, just production just hubs or whatever. Trying to just trying to get anything to exactly once once you get on set, it's uh that's when it really gets rolling. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think um the 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 first thing you learn or not the first thing that's a bullshit, but um. <laughs> Am I allowed to swear? I, no, please. Okay, sure. I've been restraining myself a lot. I from <laughs> Chicago, we like curse a lot, and so. I, um, but uh, one of the things that I think you learn fairly quickly, the more you do it, is that um, it's communications like this, and like the LASSN meetups and events like that. Like that is how you move um, up in this position and in this job. Um, especially because we're a department of one, but, um, uh, cause I got more work from friends of mine that were script soups that couldn't take a job and then would pass it to me. Like that is where all of my work comes from today. 
other than like re- like it's all referral based you know it's like yeah. oh i need a script soup and like uh this other script soup that i really love is busy and they recommended you and yada 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 so um i think that like you stop job searching at a certain point um because the referrals become your uh your main source yeah um but that all takes time you know and that that's the hardest part of it cool <laughs> no, 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 no i i i that makes sense to me that all that all tracks mm-hmm. um okay so then you were building this foundational uh yeah you're working through that you're making your contacts you're getting you're starting getting referrals going how long um okay i guess through all this too were you also doing any writing on the side or making stuff yourself or were you primarily script supervisor focused when landing in los angeles or no, I mean, I, I'm always writing. I have a co-writer, and um, that's, like, his central focus. Um, and uh, so we're constantly working. I mean, you know, it's one of those things of, like, Monday through Friday, if you're on a feature, it's, like, Monday through Friday, you're on set. And then, like, Saturday, you're, like, meeting up with the co-writer and, like, going over notes or, like, whatever, wherever you're at in the process of, of developing a script. And then uh, you're back on set like Monday through Friday, and then you rinse and repeat that process. The uh, the downfall of that is that like you're only meeting or having a chance to work like one day a week, really, um, or two days if you want to do your other day. Sure, sure. Uh, like on your personal stuff on scripts, um, but because um, you have that background processing still kind of going on, though I would assume. Mm-hmm. But I know you're occupied on set thinking about that story, so yeah. like. In the background, something's kind of still chugging, but still, yeah, you have limited time to actually dig in. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of write- writing is like a meditative process. I, I feel like um, so much of it is what you can't see, which is like what's rolling around in your head. And so that's where like working on set, it's like those long commutes to like location um, or to the stage. Like that's where you do a lot of your thinking and then when you're on set, um, it's much harder to um, to find time, especially in our line of work. Um, it's much harder to find time to roll around ideas or process because you're so in that world to pull yourself out and like go into a whole other thing that's so disconnected, and then like yeah. and then be on the queue, you know, to be be ready to like, Aaron, what's this? Like that's so that's so fucking hard, and um, so yeah, you you really only have those like drives to work and drives home from work to work on screenwriting or so on, um, or personal things. Um, and then that one day on the weekend. Okay. So yeah, so you're still doing what you can to push, push, push the dream down the road, slow and steady hundred percent through that, through that process. Uh, so then when does, how does, when does going union start kind of talking to you? Um, I mean, they always say, I mean, I feel like they always say, who, who is they, <laughs> they, they, the, uh, <laughs> um, the they, power, the powers, that be. the powers that be exactly, <laughs> um, the fates. No, um, they would be like, uh, I guess like for me, it was always, um, other script suits and, uh, you hear this like with screenwriting as well, where like a lot of screenwriters are trying to find like management or reps, you know, sure. and they always say that like when the time's right, the time's right. Like you'll know because like 
Because you have to. Exactly. Because it'll be the time. And um, it's very much the same with, with Going Union. Um, you know, I was out here, and in my first year out here, I was working on a feature. And the line producer mainly did union stuff, but that happened to be a non-union project. And um, when we wrapped it, she was like, you're great. Like, uh, are you union? Because like, I have a union project coming up. And I was like, no. Like, fuck. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wish I was fucking union. And... Um, so, like, that was kind of the first, like, inkling of, like, man, maybe I should, like, start logging my days and <laughs> dealing with contract services. Um, I guess that, like, I put it off for a long time because, uh, like, in my mind, I was always, like, oh, well, like, I'll just get on a project and that project will flip and I'll be just, like, grandfathered in. And then, like, I don't the, know. Yeah, the easy way out. Exactly. Yeah. I don't have to deal with all that shit. <laughs> But then, like when the like when people started being like, "Are you union?" and then I had to keep turning them down, like uh, it's kind of like a wake up call. You have to like kick yourself a little bit and be like, "I should just get the fucking ball rolling." Um, so uh, yeah, so I guess that that was kind of like the turning point for me. Yeah, was like once you say no to like several jobs, like once the jobs start outweighing the non union calls, um, it's time to like get your ass in gear and get moving because. Uh, Eventually, those calls will stop. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, it sounds like the the proper that sounds okay. Yeah. What did what did, how did you introduce that? You said that they say. Yeah. Um. They say. Uh... <laughs> Let's just roll the tape back. Yeah. Um, exactly. Okay. No, so, they say you'll know when. Like the time will come. Uh, it, it'll happen naturally. Essentially. Okay. Yeah, because I know. The way that I was kind of thinking about it, which I like that approach. I mean, that seems like the the healthier, nice, easier transition too, because you're already busy in one realm, and then it's already coming in. So yeah. once you switch over, there's the nothing. jobs are the jobs are there, or there's at least opportunities. Yep. And contacts that you can reach back out to and update them. And hey, exactly. I'm union. I did the flip. <laughs> I did it, and they're like, oh, uh, great. And like, who are you again? What did you work <laughs> yeah. on? And you're like. Oh. <laughs> yeah exactly um okay because i was thinking more about like you talk about the jump from chicago to los angeles mm-hmm. and you've got you've got to rebuild the whole foundation yeah get it going unions like a similar thing where it's a whole different world different different line producers completely so there's a potential where i guess if you rushed it and you just you got your 100 days mm-hmm. and all your contacts are non-union you haven't had the opportunity to even get offered union yet yep. you make the jump and then there's nothing coming yeah. then you dropped eighty two hundred dollars and you're that, just is, is that what it is right now yeah i think so cool <laughs> very cool cool, cool. <laughs> um but yeah like then you drop the money i think you know ari um who you've had on here yeah um i met up with ari when i first moved out here because i happened to work on a short film with a makeup artist who was a makeup artist on the Goldbergs, which is Ari's show. Yeah, and that shows. Wait, it's in its la- Yeah, I know Ari's moved on since then. Oh, has he? Yeah. Okay. Well, good yeah. for him. It was, it was a farewell season, and I know on our episode he was talking about being worried about not having a the job next after because he was there forever. So Damn. yeah, that was his show. Talk about not having contacts. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people worry about that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I reached out to Ari, uh, when I first moved out here, cause I worked on that short film and I was talking with the makeup artist and she mentioned Ari. And so I reached out to Ari and was like, Hey, I worked with this makeup artist and she brought up your name. And 
I'm a script supervisor as well, but I'm not union, and I would love to, like, just, like, grab lunch with you or whatever. And so Ari was kind enough to meet up with me and just, like, chat, <laughs> you know, the same thing that we're doing right now. Yeah, yay, Ari. <laughs> like, literally, like, when to flip, right? Um, and so, God, I don't even know how I just got on this tangent. Um, <laughs> and, and then he was, oh, you were going to talk about that he uh, helped slide you some gigs, right? Was that the... Was that the thing? No. No, that... I mean he helped. I guess he helped guide me with the whole going with the whole flipping um, and going union thing. Just like telling me um, the same gist that I was just saying to you, which is like uh, that idea of like, oh, you know what it is? Okay, I remember now. Yes. Thank God. <laughs> um, ADD, I hate you. So uh, <laughs> um, Ari was the one who warned me that like a lot of people uh, pulled the trigger too early. Um, a lot of people like, uh, will go union, um, without like, without that knocking, you know, without the, without the, the calls coming that are even entertaining the idea of you working a union job. And, um, so like, he kind of put that in my head of like, you know, like you, you can't base it off of like, I missed one call or two calls, right? Like one or two calls that are union, like in like a year, is like not enough to flip. Like you're just gonna be floundering. You're gonna yeah. still be working non-union, but then you're gonna be paying quarterly dues on top of your initiation fees and everything. It's just like an overkill, I think. Uh, anyway, so a lot of people fall into that trap, and I was very hesitant to do that as well. Which is I probably probably why I stayed in non-union for so long, um, to try and just like avoid. Being one of those people who right even gets okay, yeah all right so you got the uh, thumbs up I assume yeah I mean um I mean eventually it was just it was like I said it was just right like uh the calls started coming in and and again it ties back into what I said earlier with like um you need to like reach out and mingle with other script soups because like that's straight up where like most of my union work comes from yeah um and uh, if people don't know your name, then like they can't recommend you for anything, and so for sure, um, and that goes for our position more than I think even producers and so on. Yeah, um, yeah, it's the quote. It's the quote that I I, I say this all the time, but it's uh, there's the old quote of it's 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 who you know, but it's it's not who you know. It's it's who knows you. It's who knows you exactly. Yeah, so I love saying that. It always gives me a certain feeling. Um, <laughs> Okay, um, so you made the jump and you went union. Now, yeah. sorry, go on. <laughs> so I guess just to get the the big the uh, a nice vague big question out of the way, just to get us moving again. Mm-hmm. Um, what for all the the non union script supervisors out there wondering what's the what's what's the difference between <laughs> union world. In non-union world as a script supervisor because there's pre-production stuff there's yeah. like prep work there's on set and then there's rap Hand stuff off. or whatever yeah. or i mean second unit there's multiple units. like who knows i don't know yeah what's what are better worse no i mean <laughs> honestly here's the thing is like um when i first flipped and i started doing union stuff um I used to be so anxious every time I get a union job. Yeah. I'd be like, holy fuck, like this is union. Like, this is it, guys. We did it, boys. <laughs> We're <laughs> we did it, boys. <laughs> um yeah. 
So, uh, um, but then like you get on set and then you realize that it's like the exact same shit you were doing. Like the, the union sets are bigger. They have more money. Uh, there's like a lot more crew as a department of one, you find yourself like feeling a little more like, um, tossed in the waves, you know, like it's like, there's a lot of shit happening because it's like three times the size of a crew that you're used to being around. Yeah. Um, but like, as soon as they like call action and then cut on that first take, you like settle into it so fast and you just realize that like it's the exact same fucking thing. Like the same bullshit that you're dealing with with like non union stuff and like shit going wrong and like people not paying attention to monitor and like all that shit, like it still happens on union stuff. The yeah. only difference is that like everyone's getting paid more. <laughs> what about workflow specifically like i know let's just say non-union world mm-hmm. productions don't have the money so yeah. they're trying to cram more and more in a day than they need to is that yeah. st- is it still where they're like doing you know you're pushing 25 30 setup single camera mm-hmm. on a, like a standard day like i don't know if union is more traditionally chiller in that way where you're actually shooting less per day or not my experience (laughs) (laughs) like i'll say this like i have seen schedules for um like huge tiered films that are um you know like two pages a day and and like you know 135 shooting days and like that's amazing like i would fucking kill for that that sounds great because like Everyone can be so focused on every moment as it's happening uh, rather than, like, having to always think 20,000 steps ahead because you're trying to make 10 pages a day. Um, However, though, that's just not the case for most of it. For, like, every set I've been on, like, no matter the scale, like, I've worked on, like, Universal TV shows and I've worked on, like, Nickelodeon TV shows and I've worked on CBS TV shows. And, like, it's always a fucking shit show. And it's always, like, a running gun. Like, the more money just means that, like, the problems, like, manifest in different ways. Um, and so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. So, yeah, you said people get paid more, but it's it's the same. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, okay, you were going to continue on that? I was or? just going to say... Um, so, like, uh, as far as, like, workflow and everything, yeah. uh, like, not to go on a small tangent, but, like, I think a lot of that, like, stems from uh, the fact that we switched over to digital and everything is being shot digitally now. Um, because of that, it's so much easier for them to be like, oh, just grab that camera, uh, throw it up on the steady cam, and uh, just shoot something. And so, like, we're constantly, like, hosing down scenes. And uh, which is making our job specifically much harder. When you say hosing down, what do you mean? Uh, hosing down is just like a term for like uh, it. Like it's literally exactly like what I just said, where it's like, uh, okay, grab C camera and uh, just shoot like whatever you can find. So like a lot of times we'll con- we'll call it hosing down on like if cameras are handheld, and then like every take the camera is like changing to like another position. It'll be like, okay, we're starting on Eddie, and then, okay. like, like halfway through the take, they're, like, pan over, and, like, we're going to stay on this person now. And then the next take, they're like, we're going to bounce back and forth into swingles. Like, 
It's stuff like that. Swingles. Sw- oh, yeah, swinging singles. Oh, this is some cool new terminology <laughs> for me. All right. The more you're on set, the more you pick them up. But, uh, uh, okay, so hosing down. I've never, because I've never heard that term before, okay, yeah. but I have seen it done before. Yes. So, yeah, the, the I guess the thought is that the shots aren't specifically planned in a manner, yeah. so there's no attachment. We're just, we're just trying to get a lot of coverage. Yes. That way we can figure it out in post. Correct. Yeah. It's just like shoot everything and then like, we'll just give it all, give it all to them and then they can figure it out. And like, that is 100% a result of, of the industry switching to digital and um and it weighs so heavily on our position and and what is the do you know the deeper thought process on why that would be preferred over the other i mean because i guess coming from your filmmaker brain too let's just say you're directing that episode instead yeah is that something that you're being told from above on like, don't put too much time into thinking about shots. We're just going <laughs> to hose this down. Like, is that a... No, I think that it all comes from the budget, you know? Like, uh, budgets are tighter on unproven shows and unproven media. And um, so uh, I think that, you know, it's that it's the same thing. Like I said, it's the same thing with non-union. Like, you're still trying to do like six pages or like if you're doing like only four pages, it's like an action sequence or something. Yeah. So like you don't have time to like spend on every single shot like trying to like line it up and light it perfectly and like yada yada yada. So you just have to hose it down because like it's either you get this or that di- like on TV for example, directors are like for hire. Like you're a yeah. gun for hire. So like you need to like make the days. And so if what you have to do is just fucking hose it all down and like it doesn't really matter about <laughs> the shots looking necessarily good, then like that's yeah. what they do. Okay. So when I think of budgets, I think of pre-production. Because yeah. I know that's where a lot of decisions get made too. I'm thinking about from like the director's perspective mm-hmm. as well. But I don't know how TV is. I'm sure they don't have pre-time. Like you're gun for hire. So you have pre-production meetings. You're usually like um, – because the teams rotate out on TV. Yeah. So like uh, one week is like a, a, like a unit, B unit almost. Like it's not units but like – you know, so like the A team is going to be like this first AD and this director, and they're going to be prepping while the B team is shooting an episode. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's only like the higher ups that switch out, like the first AD and the director, and so on. Yeah. So you still get like a prep, and like from my experience working on TV, like directors um, will come in with shot lists, like they'll have it all planned out. So it's not that they don't. It's not like the director walks on and is like. Well, we're fucked from the get-go, so, like, who gives a shit? Just shoot it. Um, yeah. They have plans. It's just that, like, everything goes out the fucking window, like always in this industry, and you have to roll with it, and you can either lean into those uh, struggles and make something great or um, try and find, like, an elegant solution. It takes up more time, so. Yeah. Cool. Makes sense. Yeah. Cool. I forgot what you were talking about prior to that. <laughs> Before the budget question and the, the Before planning. Before the hosing down. Um, it's a good question. Um, so I was talking about, I was asking about uh, whether or not, okay. So I'm, I'm curious on expectations for a script supervisor in union world versus yeah. non-union world. Because a thought that I have, that 
I, I guess in theory would be lovely mm. is a lot of times in non-union when you're working with with creatives it's by def- by default usually they're lesser experienced yeah. than the union counterparts yep. and they're not familiar with what you do as a script supervisor so they don't know how to utilize you to your full potential yep my hope is in union world there's more understanding on what everybody's doing and you're actually leaned on more so or at least you're utilized in a way where you're being as productive as possible yeah it's interesting i mean um you know i've been on sets where um i've been on union sets where well okay let me let me backtrack just one second and say yeah. you're spot on that that like when you get on a union set like you're union so people um expect you to know how to do your job um and so uh you can, don't have any of that can we expect them to know what our job is yes yeah okay. that's the thing is like it's one of the great parts about going union is just that like everyone's kind of like certified basically by like having the days uh, and everything it like at least guarantees that like the people around you understand like what you do um now whether or not they utilize you is like a totally different question you know like i've been on sets where um like i i'm like not ever utilized and i'm just there doing my job but like not no one is interacting with me um unless i interact with them unless i engage them yeah um you're there mostly just at that point for the editing team exactly yeah and there's a lot of that um but uh it's funny how you you yourself can flip that dynamic on set though um by becoming like an active participant in it and um by being on your game, like catching things or um, uh, bringing up like like posing questions to the director or the DP about like, is this what you wanted or whatever? Um, that's like a huge technique as a script supervisor is like always framing everything as questions. Yep. <laughs> and um, and uh, so, yeah, you can become really active. And, and as soon as you open that up, as soon as you catch uh, something once – or you bring up something that's like a good idea. Like that's all it takes for them to all of a sudden like trust you and lean on you a little bit and be like, oh, okay, yeah, like Aaron's on it. Aaron's got an eye for that. Like I can like turn to him and be like, that was, we got that? Yeah. Or like um, I could turn to Aaron and be like, uh, you know, like um, uh, does this work if we are over here? Or like, did we have these lights on or whatever? It's like, it opens up the dialogue, which, um, is often, I think that initial step is the hardest part when you're stepping onto, onto new sets. For sure. I agree. That's always like a fun thing to, it's a, it's a frustrating kind of thing, but it also feels really good when you overcome that. When you, when you see that you can, you can tell day one on who, a director's go-to mm-hmm. confidant is whether it's the ad or the it's DP. Off, it's often the dp yeah very much so because of course it is yeah. <laughs> they're bringing the vision to life you know it's... i'm not jealous all right um <laughs> and i'm over here like all right let's find a way that you um uh, yeah let's let's build this up so that way 
we can carry the load together and I can help with that because the DP has other stuff going on too. Exactly, exactly. So that story question could go to me instead of the DP. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's always fun to, to build that bridge. Um, but I just It would just be lovely if they knew from the get-go. That, exactly. Yeah, either way. But yeah, so to, to, to tie that back to like to your question though of like um, – like, do people know and understand, like, your job? Yeah. Like, yeah, 100%. I, I, I think that in the union world, like, you don't get any more of that, like, you send a report and then the, the production team's like, oh, wow, this is great. Thanks. And you're like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, has no one sent this report to you before? Like, that's fucking wild. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, So you never have to deal with any of that stuff. Um, But, yeah, uh, counteracting that note is, like, everyone just expects you to know your job. So like a lot of times, like they just don't even interact with you. Cause they're just like, yeah. well, if there's an issue, like he'll speak up and he'll say it. So, Yeah. What about, um, pre-production like breakdowns and timings and stuff. Is that, uh, does any of that change where there's actually time in pre for people for some more dialogue to occur in pre-production or is that an experience you have with, uh, I don't know if I'd say that it's um, it's like different per se. I mean, like you have more paid prep days when you're in the union, so you have more time to like just do, yeah, just sift through it all. Yeah, sift through, and I mean you're involved with more pre-production meetings. I I feel um even when you're doing like I do a lot of like um uh like uh like pickups for like features and stuff, and so um. You know, like, one of your days will often be, like, the Zoom call days where you're, like, hopping on several meetings and, like, walking through the schedule or et cetera. I think you get more of that in the union world than you do um, non-union. Um, non-union, you're more just, like, show up and, like, fucking wing it. Like, I mean, you prep yourself. Like, you break yeah. down the script. But, like... As far as, like, having an idea of how the fuck the shoot's going to go and what days are going to be what. Or, like, collaborating with other departments on, like, yeah. costumes with story days and mm -hmm. getting that all down with director. Like, I don't know. First ADs are more reliant on you, I feel like, in the union world for, like, story days. Um, I feel like on a lot of non-union projects, you can uh, end up, like, you do your story day breakdown and you, like, send it out to the department heads and you're like, this is this is it, guys. And then you get the, like, call sheet and, like, all the story days on the call sheet are, like, wrong. Yeah, because standardly, and it feels like a non-union, the AD is the one doing that breakdown, right? Like, he, he does his own breakdown, yeah. Or she. He uh, or she, yes. <laughs> they. <laughs> he or she does the, the their own breakdown with yeah. story day and props and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so do we. And uh, it's, like, crucial, if not paramount, that, like, we are on the same page and um you know on non-union you have to like go out of your way to touch base and like establish that and make that work and uh i feel like more on union shows they um uh they kind of come to you they're like hey when can we get that story day breakdown you know or like right. when can we get um your breakdowns in general uh <laughs> timings is is much more important in the union world um i don't feel it so much with features but definitely on tv which makes sense. Okay. I was going to semi-backtrack. Not too much so. You mentioned pickup days. Yeah. On That's for 
TV and uh, film, or what? It's mainly features, like, um, yeah. So you're being called in to script supervise additional shots or reshoots like that is that is that similar to a pickup day or am i misthinking yeah no that's that's correct because you weren't attached to principal photography you weren't there Mm -hmm. for the main shoot and you're here for pickups yes how does how do you how does that work with continuity and making sure it's going to cut with everything else they've shot how do you how does that work so it always depends on where they are in the process like uh you know if it's like there's kind of like I mean there's probably many fa- like variables but like the usually there's kind of two versions. It's like one where like they just completed shooting in Toronto or they just completed shooting in like South America and so now they're like coming here and they're going to shoot like 2 weeks in LA. And so um in that situation they usually don't really have like a cut or anything for you and right. so you like are relying strictly upon like the script soups notes. So you ask them for, for like any of their rap reports for that unit or anything like that. Um, uh, and then, uh, and kind of trusting and relying on the other department heads, like the costumes and, and makeup and so on. Um, Cause usually they will be from the main unit. And so um, anyway, so you're relying a lot yeah. on, on the team and the script soups notes um, the other version is like uh, you're doing like reshoots or like um, you're picking up like small transitional moments. Um, and a lot of times with that, they'll have a locked edit or even just an edit for you. And so I always just reach out and ask for like an, a, a cut if they have it and if they'll allow me to see it. Because then that allows me to just like download it and then like have it on my computer on set. And I can literally just like pull it up. Right, by, right beside the director and be like, uh, look at this. Uh, the windows were down and like we're shooting this and they're up. We should probably have these windows down. What do you think? And so, um, yeah. For sure. Because <clears throat> I always think about the uh, like eye lines and 180 roll and all that kind of stuff with mm-hmm. with we're getting a pickup of this moment here that takes place in a room that really shot the scene. Yeah. And we just want to make sure that we're on the right side of the line or the eye lines match what was. Exactly. A lot of that comes yeah. too with like with the script soup notes. Um, if your script soup's like logging your camera report notes, um, a lot of that will be in there too, which is great because a lot of times they want to match like angle and distance and all that jazz. Okay. And so like you can um, by using the script soup's notes, you can like have all that as well. Which is yeah. Great to yeah. assist the camera team. For sure. That sounds great. Lovely. Okay. <laughs> um, I feel like did we get lost? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we <laughs> did we get lost? It's okay. gonna be like that with me. I apologize. Uh, okay, union versus non-union. Yeah. Does it get better? All right. So uh, we talked about. Okay, pre-production was what I was just asking about. Yeah. There, you talked that was a little bit of the pickups that I that I asked. Um, what about? So you bring up timings too um i because i i know i do a lot of work like on let's just say shorts or features primarily they're just they're just happy to be shooting their thing at all yeah so they don't again they're just trying to get through the schedule and make sure they at least cover the stuff and come out with a movie yeah with something that is 
tangible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're not too worried about uh, pre-timings and then on daytime it's yeah. matching or anything like that. Um, what about... I don't, what, what am I missing here? What about... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll just... I mean, here's the thing, like, in regards to timings, like, uh, even on non-union stuff, like, I always uh, would plant um, that in, like, the director's head. Um, like, not so much the pre-timings, because, like, that's... That's work. Yeah, like, for the non-union stuff, like, the pre-timings are, like, for us. You know what I mean? It's just, like, no one's fucking asking in the non-union world for, for your pre-timings. But uh, definitely when I'm on set, if we do a scene and it's like one page and it's like one page of dialogue and it ends up being like three minutes, like even on non-union, like I flag that to the director and it's just a quick thing. Like, hey, just so you know, like uh, that take was three minutes. Yeah. And then usually, usually they'll be like, how long is it? And like, how long is the page? And I'll be like, oh, it's one page. (laughs) And they'll be like, okay, yeah, we got to change that. So like – you know, you have to be on the lookout for them. Like, they don't even, half the time in the non-union world, like you said, like, they don't even know what the fuck you do. And they're, like you said, just excited to be fucking working. I thought you were going to say they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes. Because <laughs> I was thinking about, because um, I also uh, pursue, I also do my directing and producing on the site as well. So, I know I'm currently prepping for, like, I've never done, like, a full festival run for a project. Yeah. So I know for, uh, um, I have a, a short film that I'm kind of prepping for that I was able to find a budget for for the first time in my life. Nice. Oh, my gosh. My Congrats. Name. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I know for, let's say, let's say for festivals and just like a sidetrack, you know, just long road to what you're saying. Yeah. Um, the, the nice, how do I say, this? for a film festival to screen your film, mm-hmm. you don't want your short necessarily to be over twenty minutes long. Yeah, because it's going to be difficult for festival folk to find time for that. They'd yeah. rather screen multiple shorts at that time than your one thirty-five minute short film. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I know, like I was writing i'm writing it to be specifically in in that range is like the shorter the better it's currently uh me and my writing partner have a writing partner as well uh we did uh an outline first Mm -hmm. and then we did like a pre-timing on the outline cool As, like, a middle ground before jumping into the writing process. It's like, all right, for this to be under 20 minutes, this bullet here needs to be 45 seconds. And then let's write it knowing that's the length of time we have for each thing. Yep. Uh, So then I'm fast-forwarding to thinking about the script supervisor on set and being like, please make sure we're in in this range, knowing that we can't have that happen with... But then, of course, I mean, ideally, me as a script supervisor slash... You know, a director that also script supervises too. Correct. That should already be kind of clicking in the back of the mind too, where we're we're watching a little bit more specifically certain aspects that other directors with different backgrounds would would do. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of ingrained in us to always be aware of that. Um, 
And so, yeah, and it's smart to do that, you know, to, it's smart to, in your outlining phase, have an idea, because you know the end goal, you know, it's not like you're writing um, into the uh, abyss, <laughs> like, right. you know, like not knowing what your intended plan is. So, um, but yeah, and that's great. Um, I think that like <laughs> your script soup will, will have fun working on it, <laughs> just as the fact that you have the script su- supervisor mindset. 100%, ideally. Yeah. Yeah, there's some built-in respect going on from the get-go. <laughs> a lot of leaning. Um, yeah. Have you had the experience with having the chance to direct something and having your own script supervisor before? Have you done that? Yeah. Um, honestly, the only time that I've directed and had a script soup was like my thesis film in college. Um, and this was early days. This was early Probably, days. Yeah, yeah. This has been, yeah, it was like seven years ago now. Sure. Um, everything I've done since then have been like music videos and so on. We don't have a script soup. Um, I've worked a music video before as a script supervisor, but. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a trip. <laughs> but. Uh, um, okay. Yeah, I guess I was, I was curious on how uh what process you would go through when seeking your own script supervisor for like your next directing project or whatever what how how you imagine now interviewing yeah. like what kind of questions you would ask what you would utilize them for if you've if you've thought about that at all i mean the biggest thing for me as a script soup and then like flip side i think as a director is like having that open communication um I just did an interview for a gig actually where I brought this up, but I think script supervisors have a tendency to feel like, uh, like shit on or like bulldozed or like pushed aside. Yeah. Or just left out. Exactly. And, um, or like they're the naysayers, right? Like, you know, um, and so what happens is that they end up getting like, uh, they end up like muting themselves and they don't speak up enough when they should. Um, or like, you know, all of a sudden they're no longer part of the like collaborative process of like, Hey, like, did you want, like, you know, a lot of times there's little things that like as a script soup that I look for that are like about the story world and, and even less so about the, um, the script. Yeah. Like, like less so about the continuity of like the edit and more so about the continuity of the story. And so, like, for example, it's like, oh, like, hey, um, you know, would do you want this light on in the background? Because, like, that, like, could play in with the fact that, like, she was home at the time or something. You know what I mean? Like, in this bullshit scene. Right, right. So, like, um, me as a director looking at a script supervisor, it's just, like, having someone that, like, A, like, knows how to edit. Like, I think, like, you have to understand – how editing works and you have to have done editing before um to us to any extent to to like even if it's just like you shoot shit with your friends and you cut it like you have to only by doing it can you understand the woes and like all the bumps that are unforeseeable at, at the time um and so i think that like a good script soup is someone who has editing experience and then like someone who like is communicative and like able to um share in the excitement and enthusiasm of what you're trying to do okay so okay editing experience um all right 
Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, so much of what we do is 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 cutting for sure. I guess I was going to ask about um, how do you feel? Could go this little yes. Jeez. All right, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about? So essentially, you want your script supervisor to have a stronger footing in the filmmaking, the full filmmaking background more so. Like if if script supervising was all they knew, it's not as attractive as a script supervisor who's also cut some stuff and directed some stuff and kind of has a little... I don't know how... That's, yeah, I mean... Uh... I think that if you look at it as our position as only continuity or something like that, I think you're hindering yourself as a creative and you're you're hindering your own worth. Um, I think that like like I keep circling back to it, but like this is a collaborative medium and everyone on set is doing like their part, but like you can't just you can't put the blinders on and only look at like your one job like like a gaffer like is paying attention to like lighting and everything but like they can't only be looking at lighting they have to understand like the story and like what's happening here because it's like that motivates it you know like and and that that goes for every position like same with makeup and stuff like i i just um i think a good script soup has experience and understanding in multiple facets of filmmaking and uh, I think that's how you make yourself um, worth the time and, and worth the while. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I, I agree. I like that for sure. And I, def- I know I lean on that myself when I'm script supervising mm-hmm. similarly. Is uh, I take a lot of pride in my filmmaking background and the stuff that I've cut and uh, the processes I've put myself through. I'm dying. Um how do you balance or I guess how do you foresee uh, do you do you talk to people about the dream of directing when you are script supervising or is that something you hide um I definitely <laughs> okay so like in interviews and stuff when like I'm interviewing for a gig it's like straight up like <laughs> nah dude script supervising is my life like tattoo the word script supervisor on my forehead like that's in interviews um i would never tell somebody that like i see myself as like the number one aid to the creative efforts of the director <laughs> like i would never say that stuff however though like when i'm on set and people are like asking me about like you know how did you get into this or like what is your what is your goal or et cetera? Like, what do you want to do? You want to script supervise all the time? Like, then I usually like open up the dialogue to them of like, you know, like, oh, well, like I'd love to direct, and oftentimes they like understand, and and they'll be like, yeah, well, like this position's like a great like springboard for that, and et cetera. So yeah, um, so yeah, like I I definitely like I don't say I bring it up, but if I'm asked about it, I'll bring it up, um. But I want the, especially the director, like, I want them to think of me as, like, their script soup. Um, I don't want them to think of me as, like, their script soup slash director. Co-director. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think that that's, like, um, you're asking for trouble. 
and um, it's just going to endanger that relationship. You know, like they, sure. there's only one For captain sure. of the ship. For sure. Well, I think like most most people on set also direct in some capacity. Yeah. Which is also the weird thing is like I know same as with acting too is like our costume person is also part time actor or yeah, like whatever whatever the thing is. Because I think about uh, social media a little bit. Like I, <laughs> I always I get okay. This is this is I'm hoping that you'll say some things that make me feel better here. <laughs> maybe, oh God! Or maybe <laughs> there's uh, speaking about myself here. Similar to you. Uh, writing, directing, dream, script supervising. I love it. I love supporting other artists, and I think I'm really good at it. My personality is a wonderful fit for the position. Nice. When I interview, similarly, it's 100% script supervisor. I, I bring up maybe that I get the edit, or uh, these are other filmmakers I've also supported, or whatever the thing is. Um, but when I send off like i have my website is almost like a living resume yeah. or then yeah. if you go to my instagram <clears throat> it's like <laughs> mixed messages are being sent <laughs> <laughs> or it's like eddie v hill script supervisor director or director and script supervisor like this two titles are just smacking you in the face here and it's like oh no he's got director first yeah we're trying to look for a script supervisor but then you look at the credits and there's all the stuff that i've done mm-hmm. and in my brain i'm like you know, a confident director shouldn't be worried about, if anything, it should be a plus that they understand what, what's going on. They've been in your shoes. They yeah. they know how to watch your things that, you know, whatever, that they know what you're watching for. So they're going to watch for the things you're not watching for. Um, but uh, I was going to have a question to end that rant. <laughs> but uh, what... Uh, uh, it's just it's tough pursuing both, I guess. Is yeah. Is, it's just the same thing with anything. People are gonna think of you in one track or the other. What's how how? What's your plan? Maybe I can take some thoughts from how yeah. you're gonna approach it. I don't know. I mean, you're right, and uh, it's one of those things of like uh, this industry specifically, but like people in general love to um, like box people and in and like um, categorize. Like, uh, um, that's just the world, but yes, exactly, exactly. But especially this industry though, because it's like, it's constantly selling people, you know, it's like, uh, trying to figure out like, you know, who is Eddie? Like, what does Eddie do for us? Like, what, what is his thing? And like, how is Eddie marketable? Right. And, um, and that, that goes like, obviously like for a script supervisor, it's like your marketability you are not something that someone's hinging marketability on. Your marketability is more like how you sell yourself as an individual and like what you bring to the table. But when it comes to like writing and directing, it's like how do you how do you sell yourself? Like what do you what do you offer? And um, so I think that like you will always struggle with that until you start to like make moves to be known more openly as as one over the other um i don't know if that's true or not um but like me personally like i've been like much more active with like writers groups lately and like trying to get my name more out as like a writer um than uh i wouldn't say more more than a script soup because i'm not like leaving script souping at all 
But it's just the fact that I put so much focus on script souping that um, I, like, haven't had a chance to, like... People don't know me as a writer, you know? Right, yeah. Um, but uh, but I've been writing for, like, many years. And so I think it's just, like, in the same regards of script supervising of, like, mingling is what gets you jobs. It's I think it's similar for both avenues of writing and directing, too. It's just... Yeah. Okay. Because I think, like, a bonus... Let's just say for you, like you are on union sets as a script supervisor. Mm-hmm. You mingle with other creatives and you've been doing so for years. Mm-hmm. And you're in a in a way, there is an opportunity there to scout talent and mm-hmm. to be like, this actor was awesome to work with and I interacted with them as a script supervisor multiple times and we got along and I'm gonna try to cast him in my movie. Yeah, like, for sure. Like, uh so there's that. Um, I don't know. I was going yeah. to say something else, but I forgot. <laughs> I think, though, that uh, I think you're right. I mean, there's a lot of times where, like, you know, um, this last, like, feature that I was working or developing for a little bit, um, that was definitely, like, an avenue, right? It was, like, uh, reaching out to, like, a couple of these actors that I worked with that I, like, hit it off with on set. Because um, that's the thing is, like, it all depends on your relationship with people. And like, you know, like I would never, um, I would never reach out to like an actor, actress that I worked with just like once, um, unless like we really happened to freaking hit it, it was, off. Unless it was ninety days, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like unless we were like fucking two peas in a pod or something. But like, um, however, though, if you like, you know, you run into them multiple times and you're you're friendly with them and like, you know, you you know when it's like an acceptable thing. I don't, I don't think, <laughs> I think you have to be pretty tone deaf to know like when you're crossing the line. For sure. Um, but then sometimes, I don't know, maybe that's like with, maybe that's holding me back a little bit. Maybe I should be crossing the line a little bit too much, <laughs> you know, too, more often. <laughs> too much. <laughs> I don't uh, know. Who knows? Who knows? I just know, <clears throat> um, I've heard other script supervisors. Okay. That's that's Okay. I'll just end my uh, self-conscious stream here with, I fear, I don't know why, I fear that, like, I'll work with a group of creatives, and then, like, at the end of the, end of our little short film, or the end of the run, we all add each other on Instagram and all that kind of stuff, and then all I'm spewing there is director stuff, and then, like, oh, I didn't know that you... Like, now I just think of you as a director, and I'm not going to mm-hmm. call you again. Like, I'm not going to think of you as a script supervisor for the next one, because, like, I don't know, I have that fear. I think you have to, like, you know, I think you, the same way you promote your directing, because like, you have to promote that, right? Like, if that's what you want to do. You promote all of it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you got to promote all of it. And uh, Hannah Driscoll is a script soup, very, very talented script soup. Um she does a lot of great self-promotion on her Instagram and Facebook. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, she does, like – she's great. She'll, like, take, like, a snippet of, like, a commercial she worked on, and then she'll show, like, uh, her facing pages or her – you know, like, like – and she'll show, like, how she – like, uh, like certain things that she had to deal with that were, like, unique to that commercial. And so it's really cool because it's still promoting that she's a script soup um, – but like, also, she can post other shit on her Instagram or social media, yeah, and not have to worry about like diluting herself out of that job. 
for sure. Yes. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. I will jump to a new topic. This is a very easy one. Can we talk <laughs> about your kit? Mm. I know that's a uh, script supervisors love to yeah. compare <laughs> kits and uh what how did you develop yours? How has it grown? What did you start with? Where are you now? Uh okay, so I started pen and paper or pencil and paper. Uh that's how I learned. Um that's what I did for like my first year of script souping. Um and then uh maybe not even first year, maybe it was only like 6 months. Yeah. But um uh and then like I said my professor was like a, a script soup and um she worked off of scripty and so I was like, "Oh, okay, like I'll use I'll like try out scripty cuz that seems to be like a growing standard." Um you know, this is back in 2015 or whatever. So the software was kind of new but catching on. Um and so, um, or 2014 or something like that. Anyway, um, so I started with Scripty, or I started pen and paper, went to Scripty, and I was using Scripty on the iPad. Okay. Um, I really loved uh, the mobility of it, and a lot of people still use Scripty on the iPad today because of the mobility. Yeah, there you go. And um, uh, so I did that for a long, a long time. I was on the iPad. And then, um, so when you're on the iPad with the script E software, mm. what else are you bringing with you to set? Is it, is it literally just the iPad and then, or just what, what, yeah. At the time when I was doing it, I'd bring usually like, <laughs> like straight up, I would do like my iPad. I would do like a printed out version of the script. Um, and then like a notebook. And that was just in case, like, my iPad died or or this program crashed or et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But, like, that was all I brought. <laughs> like a water bottle. <laughs> like, sure, sure. Like, I, I, I prided myself in the fact that, like, I was so streamlined and so... Um, mobile. Mobile. Yeah. yeah. That's me right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. It's, it's the, you. There's no, I like, and you know, having like a notebook is like the fucking, that's the, the key element there. Because like when I first started using Scripty, I remember like, um, because it's a program, like glitches occur uh -huh. and like, um, which is a, anyway, it's a conversation for another thing. But, uh, uh, I had it where like I got on set and then I went to go like do a shot and like, uh, the program had updated overnight because oh, no. I didn't I didn't turn off the auto updates because it was 2014 and I was new to it and, yeah, and all that shit rookie mistake rookie mistake so then um yeah I went to go do first shot and I rolled the rolled the take and uh, the whole program just crashed on me and I couldn't do anything so like thank God for um you know pen and paper there at me and, yeah. the, and the script that I printed out um. But anyway, so yeah, uh, and then um, I did that for a long time, and then uh, I started covering other script soups that were um, using laptops and using like Blackmagic mini recorders for like video tap, and uh, I just like loved how that looked on your notes. Like it's like my favorite shit is to like see like the frame grabs with each slate because you can just like. And, like, people, like, put way too many with it, which I think is 
in my personal opinion, like a bad idea. On the notes you're talking? Yeah, on the notes. Because here's the thing is like you can only do four photos, representative photos, before it like returns down to a new line you're on the page. You're talking about the scripty report. Yes, sorry, you, talking about the facing yeah, pages. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so like uh, I think like any more than four photos is fucking crazy. Like you don't – like no one needs to see that and you're just cluttering the reports. I think even four is a lot unless the camera's moving a ton. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so like I saw that and I loved that and I was like, fuck, I want to do that. And at the time, there was like nothing on the iPad. There was no way to be able to do that unless you took photos. Like what I would do is take photos with my phone of the monitor and then like airdrop it to my iPad yeah, yeah, yeah. and then attach it. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, you know, then you're fighting glare and it looks like shit and everything. It just was like. I hate it. It's ugly, it. yeah. Yeah, I hated it. So uh, I went from that on to eventually I just like went laptop, bought the Blackmagic Mini Recorder. And so um, now I work off of uh, I work off of a MacBook and um, I use my Blackmagic Mini Recorder and I also have a Demon Quad, which is uh, the Decimator. It's um, such cool names. <laughs> The decimator is like a uh it's a it's like a a splitter that like can input up to four video feeds and then you can make a, a quad split on your screen so you can see four cameras on your monitor okay. or two or three cameras. Sure. Um, that sounds really cool. So um I use that so that way I can like take photos and keep track of everything. You know, and and that ties into the fucking the fact that everything's digital nowadays and we shoot so fast, people do like two takes and they move on. And it's like, if there's five cameras, there's no fucking way you can watch five cameras in two takes and then know the continuity. So, right. Yeah. So that's where like having like being able to vote like screen capture and having the demon quad, like having the split, like all of them right there. I can, like, snap a couple photos as we move through this take, and then, like, I can at least fucking look back and have an idea of what to match. Um, so I use that, and then I work out of a um, – it's an SKB laptop case. Uh, it looks like a Pelican case, basically, but it fits my laptop. And uh, it also comes with, like, a sunshade um, that you can, like, snap into place. So that way, if you're outside, you can still see your laptop. And uh, that just sits right on a uh, – like a C stand, like a baby, like a, a baby stand. Yeah. And um, and then I have like a Robo cup that I use that you latch onto your stand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's my whole rig. It like literally when I cope to set, it's like my one baby stand and then like my Pelican case, and that's it. Like everything's inside of there. And the case? Do you unload the case and then leave that in the car? Or is no, that the case is the stand. Oh, the case the, is the stand. The bottom of the case, like um touch this sure so like if this is the case and it opens up like this like on the bottom here is like a little thread okay inside the case okay and so like you can just use like a baby pin and uh it this just like i walk up and i like set the stand down and i just like s like slip this on and tighten it up and then i open it up and i start working and that's it it's wow. super easy i open it up and the laptop sits inside and it's like uh it's like maybe this deep so you got like a, a compartment underneath to fit everything 
So, oh, ooh. my vinyl. I wouldn't do that to you. My Lincoln Park Hyper Theory vinyl. That's gold um, right there, dude. Okay, what was the? <clears throat> how did you feel? How does the? Talk about the mobility aspect of it. Mm. Like you prided yourself on being mobile with the iPad. Yeah. Switching to the new rig. What do we call it? Kit. New yeah. kit. Rig kit. It's the same. How How was that for you? Did Were you able to keep mobility or did you realize that maybe like you figured out a way? How did you, what was that transition like? Um, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is like the mobility is great, but like half the time you're not it's not that important. Like, you know, as long as your footprint is small, like with your rig or your kit, like it, that like, like how often are you ever fucking like running around on set script supervising? Like I, I'm never like fucking running around, you know, like sure. How often is there not like, sometimes there's not a monitor to like uh, reference or look at, but, um, Usually what I do is, like, the first ACs, like, will let me tap out of them, or I can, like, peer over their shoulder if there isn't a monitor. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I just, like, like, in the beginning of my career, I felt that the mobility was, like, super crucial. And to a certain extent, it was because I was working on such fucking low-budget things. That, right, like, right. You know, like, they'd still have a director's monitor, but it would end up being, like, the director would go off with a fucking handheld, right, or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wanted to be close to the director, but, um, nowadays though, it's like, it's, it, I don't know. I guess I rely more on my communication than like, well, being it, so close that to That could say something to non-union versus union again. It yeah. Bring us back to that too, where they're, yeah, where it is. You a, have a village, you know, you have on a union, village. you always have a village, even on splinter units, you have a village. And ideally, communication is better. Yeah, <sighs> sometimes. <sighs> okay. Cool. So you work iPad only? That's it? Yep. Um. So you're asking about my kit? Yeah. Just, you know, curious. And, script, and scripty. I have yet to... I, I don't do any of the scripty add-ons. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that yet. Um. Okay, yeah. So I have I have uh, the iPad um, with like the the hard case nice. casing thingy with the strap. Is it the big iPad or do you off the regular like the Air or something? It's the it's an Air two okay. or something cool. like that. Cool. Yeah, that's know. what I was working off of yeah. iPad Air. So it's lovely, um, hard case with the strap, so you can just nice. shoulder strap that. Smart. Walk. <laughs> and then I have I have like a a, a baby clipboard for the sides. That's what um, I was going to ask you is how, what do you do about carrying your sides around and stuff? Yeah, so I just have the baby clipboard um, that I'll put under my arm or whatever. I'll have to carry that, and I look cool. I look busy with a clipboard. <laughs> um, and then I got my little – I got the pens, the pens in the pocket. Nice. Clipboard and the iPad, and that's essentially my setup. Nice. Um, if – the only time I do the stills – is when I'm on like commercial gigs, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, then, to then, match boards. Yeah, and then there's the VTR there, Q take or yeah, you just hop like on that. that and do that on my phone or the iPad and yeah, that's always great. So if 
It's a uh, standard non-union, no VTE. Uh, <laughs> and I need stills. I'll do the thing that you talked about with just snagging what I need with my phone. Yeah. And if they're if we're exterior, it's just you can't. There's yeah, you're usually, just fucked. Yeah. It's just <laughs> use your brain. Yeah. Um, and uh, say sorry when you don't have good reference images. Yeah, I needed. mean, you can't even apologize at that point. You know, like you're you're only human and like. If they can't even provide you with like courtesies for well, I didn't, I didn't say say sorry and feel really bad. I just <laughs> I just said say sorry. <laughs> true, true. You got me there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So that's my thing. But um, cool. I, I know. I know. I always. I don't. Know, I wouldn't say get jealous, but I think when I see the rigs, the kits online and like people talking about which stands to buy and which mm-hmm. I'm just like, should I, should I, what are other script supervisors doing? You but, just got to do what works for you, man. I mean, like, here's the yeah. thing at the end of the day, like you can do this job with just the fucking, with the binder, you know, like you don't need to have any of the fancy shit, you know, for sure. Steven Gerke, you know, is Steve's, uh, Christopher Nolan's script supervisor. And, uh, he's still pen and paper. Love it. So, like, all that other shit is just, like, it's just whatever you're used to, whatever you like to use, whatever makes your job easier. Yeah, I agree. So, That's I why... hate the, like, uh, the butting heads from people about it. It happens. I know. It's yeah. it's natural. I'm not, like, hate is a strong word. But, sure, like, sure. There's too much talk about it, you know? It's a cool thing to hear how other people work, you know? But, like, uh, yeah, people it... focus on it, you know? It's well. It's just. It's all we got. <laughs> it's all we got. Yeah. What are script supervisors supposed to talk about? You know, we got to continuity. <laughs> we got to talk about which software we use, and then I'm not going to bring you on my shoot because you work that software. Yeah. How dare you use a different software than me? Yeah. You freak. <laughs> yep. Okay. Do I have a thing here? How often you um. I vague ish question. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite when you look back on on your history in film, filmmaking, crewing, script supervising specifically? Do you have a favorite show or favorite project that you're like, oh my gosh, I want to get more gigs that were exactly or in the vein of that, and uh, that's what you use as your barometer for how much uh yeah i mean i i mentioned it before but like um the project that always stands out to me just because it was like such a it's the only project i think that i've like worked on where i full-heartedly like connected with like the story and what we were doing but um marcel the shell i mentioned it earlier Uh um but um Marcel was like a a short film, stop motion film on YouTube. And then uh, Dean, the director and creator of it, um, him and Jenny Slate took it and made a feature out of it. And so I got to script soup the feature. And, um, you know, not only was it like so interesting because it was stop motion. So you're script souping like plates. You're shooting like a lot of plates. Yeah. Set like they had the whole movie made as storyboards with right. with the actual recordings. Like they recorded all the dialogue and everything. It sounds and like, yeah, like animation. It's yeah. like animation, yeah. yeah. But then like we would go and shoot the plates and we'd like play back 
like whatever would be happening in this shot and like so the the stop motion thing like any stop motion element was going to be reshot on a green screen being puppeted and then cut into these plates um but uh it was just like such an interesting process and uh dean is such a likable human being and uh such a genuine person and the story in that film is so heartwarming and honest and um, it deals with grief and it's just anyway. So like, I always look at that film and I'm like, fuck man. Like if I could get on more stuff like that, like that'd be amazing. Cause it's like you go to set every day um, with like a new excitement of like, what are we doing? And, And like you have like a feeling that like what you're building is, is going to resonate with people. And I think that's, that's like the key. Like, you need to be enthused about what you're working on. Because uh, if you don't give a shit about it, then, like, you're going to... It's going to be a suffering 30 days. <laughs> okay. So it was a 30-day feature? Um, That one, I think, was 30 or 45 or something. I, okay. Honestly, bit, I don't know. It's been bit. a little bit. Sure, sure. You know, it's stop motion. It's it's coming out this year. So, like, it's been, like, two years or something oh like that. Oh, my. It's been that long. Oh, yeah. Wow. Stop motion takes forever. <clears throat> But anyway, so yeah, I always look back at that. I think that's like, for me, like if I can do more stuff like that. Um, and what what was the so it was it the story that got that got you psyched, or was it the process of the stop motion? What it's what, it's what? it's both. I mean, like the story drew me to it so much, you know. Um, um, I think like a lot of times we work on projects and like um, we have to like just break them down and do it as is. It's like you know, like you're like a gun for hire, like a lot of the time sure um especially in non-union like when you're doing like fucking lifetime movies or something like that oh no like (laughs) like that stuff um i I mean at least for me like that's just not (laughs) it's not fun (laughs) yeah um but uh yeah anyway so i guess like when you're drawn to the story like that's that's huge um and and then you and the director. This was a director you had worked with prior to that too. No, okay. This is yeah. I met Dean um, through that shoot. We did like an okay. interview and um, uh, they just hit it, it off. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so that's about it um, for me. And like, if I were to like take a film that I've worked on or a project I've worked on and be like, that's the fucking one, you know? Like, yeah. Okay. More of that, please. For sure. That sounds great. I know I'm uh, helping produce um, a little like one day short for a buddy, and he's got some stop motion uh, oh, planned on it. Just I think it's two two setups of stop motion. So I'm very curious to see because yeah, he was talking with the VFX artist. So it sounds like the 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 way you're talking about it too, where you kind of have the. Uh, the audio playing as you're shooting it, so you know the length of the shot exactly. and how all that works. So I was kind of being given the rundown on because uh, you're just gonna be like a tiny four person crew or something crazy yeah. like that. So I'm like, oh, it's great. I might have to hit you up. On yeah, that. for sure. I mean, so much planning goes into that, and like that's really where like you know your script soup's organization is crucial because like um, <laughs> they got to go reshoot the whole movie in stop motion after right. this. Yeah. So like it's super crucial that everything's organized and together and matching and 
Yeah, sounds like those camera heights and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Like that's the angles of yes. the... Okay, noted. <laughs> yes. Noted. Yeah, focal distance, lens, all that. I a script soup for this one. <laughs> um, if anybody's looking... I'm just kidding. Um, okay. I was going to ask, because I like to ask this question, in your union, so how do you feel about... Uh, what were your thoughts going through the IATSE potential strike? And... Uh, <laughs> Maybe that in general, where I don't know what's going on currently, um, but and then in general, like the twelve-hour day, the hours, and like that yeah. kind of stuff from the script supervisor perspective. I don't know. I'm like, you know, I'm pretty upset with the way things ended with the negotiations. I think I understand why they ended the way they did. Um, I uh, I get why people felt. Um, you want to give a quick recap, so yeah, uh, yeah, just in case. Um, I guess like mainly what I'm going going on about is just that. Okay, so like we were going to we'd authorized a strike, um, which basically means that like Matt Loeb, the head of IATSE, can like go to the negotiation table and be like, "We will strike unless you give us what we want," and um. Uh, we ended up, like, reaching an agreement, but, like, the agreement didn't, like, hit any of the concerns that anyone in the fucking industry had. Like, literally, they, like, appeased only, like, niche groups of the industry. And, like, I guess that, like, it's mainly because IATSE came to the table with demands for, like, it's just, like, a disconnect from IATSE members and IATSE leadership. Like, IATSE leadership came to the fucking table and was like, this is what we want. But it was, like, fucking peanuts. Like, it's, like, begging for scraps. And then the rest of us were like, no, we need to make systemic change with, like, hours and, like, with rates and with, like, um, like, inf- like in regards to inflation and et cetera. And, like, and new media and, like, ridding, putting an end to new media. And... Uh, Instead, like, none of that was addressed. Mm-hmm. And so now mm-hmm. we're just reeling and, like, there's – I mean, there's been a lot more effort now with all of us, like, already planning and getting all of our, like, ducks in a row for three years from now for the next negotiation um, to come to the table and, like, cut down the hours, like, increase the rates, change it so that way, like, you know – our um our increase in rate in wage every uh year like annually like fits what inflation is because right now we're we have like a three percent increase and inflation is six percent so like like we're not even matching inflation yeah (laughs) yeah. the fuck (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so i'm pretty furious but i understand how it happened but um i i think that we need to um there needs to be systemic change um for uh the way that this business is run because like 12 hour days being or 12 and a half or 13 hour days if you include your lunches being the minimum of every day and doing that five to six days a week is just not a sustainable like that's not real life like you can't how do you have an existence how do you have a family for sure how what's your so okay what is how, <laughs> how has your experience been as of late in the like did you see 
it get better or worse switching from non-union to union when it came to working hours? Cause it, it, or, I, I don't know, like I'm trying to... I hear things <laughs> like sometimes these corporations have so much money that they push, you know, the 14, 16-hour days yeah. commonly. I've never experienced that myself, but I don't. But then that's You're like, lucky. it's like, <laughs> how, how common is, like, how, how much change? What? <sighs> I mean, here's the thing. Like, yeah, you're spot on. Like, non union projects, like, you will almost, like, never break your 12 and a half or 13 hours. Because they can't afford it. Yeah, they can't afford to do it. You know, they're like, they're pinching every penny. But sometimes I, I'll interject. Yeah, of course. Sometimes, like you talk about the Lifetime movie, or yeah. the, or a lot of times, uh, and there is the potential for smaller projects to exploit an experienced crew with the enticement of being a part of a movie, and then to work them in ways that they don't know is wrong. Like yeah. short turnarounds or extra long days and short turnarounds, or like we're here trying to do something, buy in, you're buying into the dream. We're making a movie in yeah. seven days. We're whatever. a family. We're all working together yeah. on this. We're, we're all dying. It's all it's okay. Like uh, calling Grace every single day, like that kind of shit. Yeah, like that, like that kind. <laughs> we're working a twenty hour day. You're everybody's work wearing three different hats and whatever. Like there's that situation too. But uh, okay, sorry. But yeah, no, um, absolutely, like that shit happens on non-union. But um, I I think that, like, yes, with union it's great because we're protected in a lot of ways. Like that's very true, and um, and especially with COVID and everything, like there's also a lot of measures that, um, IATSE has in place that like, um, protects us as well as like ensures more pay for us like covid testing days and so on which is like always a blessing yeah um but it's like that's just like we deserve that money because like we can't work the day that we have to go fucking get covid tested so like the bare minimum that they can do for us is is give us a stipend because the because the argument i became right it wasn't even about the money it was you can throw all the money you want at us but that's not the issue really the issue is the hours yeah. is like, oh, you're going to up our pay 10% next year, but you're going to work a 16-hour days. That's not yeah. – that doesn't really fix the issue. Yeah, that's one of the, like, wins that we got um, with this last negotiation, which was, like, uh, the guaranteed turnarounds, you know? When does that kick in again? Um, it started already. It started. Yeah, because we already – because I just got a, a check for retro pay. So, like, stuff – so, like, it's already – things have started already – rolling over um but um i don't know man i feel like a lot of the stuff with like the turnaround is bullshit like okay like if they work you six days a week then it's like only 32 hours off before they have to call you back and like how is that fair (laughs) like if you do a five-day week it's like a 48 hour guarantee or something like that and then, like, if it's six days, it's 32 hours guaranteed. And it's like, okay, so I still only have, like, one whole day off. Like, I mean, I guess that is that is better, yes, than, like, 
before where it's like you work an overnight on Friday. Like they call it a fratter day. And right. So like you work an overnight fratter day and then like you're back on Monday at 6 a.m. Right. You know, like so then you only really have like one whole day and some change like for yourself. So I guess that like, yes, these new turnarounds, I guarantee that. But it also just like guarantees that like I wouldn't say guarantees, but people have have basically stated that like um, it's going to force like more six day weeks, basically. So, yay, six day pay. Yeah, no, I don't know. Okay, yeah, I was trying to do the math. I remember when those numbers came out, and I was like, "Is this is is this good?" <laughs> yeah, I, was, I wasn't sure because I was because like if you did a fatter day and you and you wrapped at six a.m. Mm-hmm. on Saturday, forty eight hours from that is six a.m. on Monday. Yeah, but it wouldn't be. Um, oh yeah, it would be. It would be. Yeah, it would be Monday. Yeah. So you're starting Monday anyway. Yeah, it's it's just a guarantee that that the call on Monday isn't so early. That it like eats into your time. So so yeah, they have a six p.m. call Friday. They wrap you. They then they go late and wrap you nine a.m. on yeah. Saturday, so they can't call you at so, six a.m. on Monday. Yeah, like, but like, sure, you're fucking <laughs> arguing. You're arguing like, like that's what I'm saying. Like scraps, dude. Like it, it's so. Um, the hours will kill you in in this industry, and um, and they are. <laughs> and like that's true and like yeah in union world like they have more money and like i've been on a lot of union sets lately where like you don't e- we don't even have lunch like you just like straight up you just like they just pay all the meal penalties and you just keep working so like you know that's becoming commonplace already yeah, and then you have to sneak away or do they do they have lunch out and like it's like a rolling like a yeah it's kind of like lunch? french hours if you will but it's not french hours <laughs> yeah it's 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 the french concept but like you you still work like 15 (laughs) hours and then that's really great for people that are in our position because you know it's really awesome having to try and eat your food while also doing your fucking job like when the fuck am i supposed to like be cutting up like a, a slice of chicken when I'm watching monitors or we're like moving inside. Yeah. Like, that's, that's most positions for sure. Yeah. Like a gaffer or grips building yeah. stuff for the DP. But they can like get released because they have a department, you know, like what, what they do is they rotate out. So it's like one grip will go and get his food and bring it back and like be chowing. The, and then like, while the other ones are kind of covering that and then like, yeah, they're still down a person though, you know? Yeah. But like the, the fact that they have a department allows them to rotate out. Like when do we rotate out? There's no one to fucking cover us. When when is that gonna happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> great. <laughs> okay, that's what I was hoping to get out of you. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, but like, I don't want it to make it sound like unions jobs are bad. Like I love union work. I I just think that like, with the gains we could have had with negotiations, and like what we will hopefully have in three years is like astronomical you know like like i say like i keep saying it like it, it's a change within the entire way that the system works so ideal ideal situation let's say <clears throat> would you prefer well, let's just okay because talking about life again yeah having a life let's just say the it went to the standard american eight-hour day let's just say hypothetically speaking here um 
but then you're it's on on location shoot and you landed this feature or this TV show that's taking you to New Mexico for X amount of time. If they're doing twelve hour days, you're there for three months, and if you're doing eight hour days, you're there for twice the amount of time yeah. or whatever, or three like five, five months, months or something. Yeah. So then you're away from home for even longer, but you have the rest at least. Yeah. How does that? How does how does that play? Or is it like, the ideal situation? Like I don't. Yeah, I mean, because you're still getting the same day rate. Yeah, I mean, your your rates higher on travel jobs too, and you have you have per diem and stipend, and you just take your family with you. Yeah, I mean, that, that the I know a lot of people that do like bring their family out for a little bit. You know, it's just like if you're in Hawaii or something, it's like it's for sure, fly yeah, the family out for like <laughs> a month or whatever. Um, but uh. But yeah, I mean, obviously that's like a obvi- like that's a, a, a like reasonable like complaint, if you will, about it is that like the days are longer. I don't think we need to do like eight, but I think like if we make ten the norm, like ten hours is your normal work day, and then twelve is where it's like, oh man, it's gonna be a long day. It's a twelve hour. Like, I think like that needs to be the standard. Yeah. Um. And uh, it's just such a trickle effect, and it's so messy because, like, that all stems from, like, the studios and the higher-ups. like Producers, yeah. Exactly. Like, their schedules and what they need to push out. So I think the way, to, the way to get this passed in three years, right, is you push for, like, a six-hour day, and then they meet you in the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's basically the kind of bullshit that they were doing inside the negotiations the producers were doing, where they wanted to cut our... They wanted to uh, make it harder for us to get our health insurance every quarter. Oh. They wanted to make it more hours. It's 400 right now. And they wanted to make it like 600. And then they wanted to like lower the annual increase of rate to like 1.5. And like they knew that this would never pass. But by, by asking for yeah. such ridiculous bullshit, they were able to be like, look how generous we are. We gave you guys so much. And it's like, you didn't give us fucking shit. Like, you know, like, everyone can see through this veil. Like, you're fucking the worst. Yes. Okay. <laughs> any, any other thoughts on that before we... Uh... <laughs> no, I think that's kind of... Yeah. Okay. So stuff is stuff is moving. We'll see. We'll see what change actually occurs. Yeah. Or maybe... Nothing changes. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot that's happening outside of the union, even with um, with just script supervisors in their own networks. And um, I know that there's like camera teams um, or entire like pieces of like 600, like local 600, mm. that have like um, they they're tracking like their rates and stuff like that. And um, I think that there's not enough of that within our community, within like the 871 groups of like being transparent about like what rates you are working and what rates are like being accepted. Yeah. What you're doing for what, like if we hold the line at certain rates, like we can raise the rate, like regardless of the fucking locals, you know? Yeah. Like if the locals don't want to fucking fight for the rage increase, the wage increase, like we can just do it. Like it's literally just about holding the line. Yeah. And so, and it's proven to work though. You know, it's happening a lot. We're getting our rates up on commercials recently. Yeah, it's, a small enough, it's a small enough community. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, I, and I think with us, like specifically, like we're in such high demand right now. And um, 
I think that like now and like this whole time period we've been in with COVID is like the ideal time to be like putting the pressure on them to raise the the rates. I like that. Yeah. Okay. I'll, 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 uh, I'll, this will be our, I'll push us out with, uh, asking about the, the directing dream a little bit more or in just 2022 in general. Yeah. The future. What, uh, how are you looking at this year? What what are you looking to make some stuff? You looking to to what what are you what's what's next for uh, for Aaron? Uh, my goal this year is really to uh, get repped uh, for writing. Uh-huh. Um, that's is... been like our our out the gate thing. We just finished like a a new screenplay that we are like super super excited about. And we have like a lot of faith in, and um, we've been getting like a lot of positive feedback from um, people, and so um, I'm really excited to using those contacts from uh, working on set. I've managed to befriend a couple producers um, who I've spoken with that are interested in the script already. So I'm Ooh. hoping to, uh, you know, just fucking hit the ground running and uh, make 2022 like that that year for me you know lovely so wrapped is that just to clarify what wrapped is are you talking management or agent yeah manager or, or agent either or for me both? i mean honestly i feel like manager would be uh would be great just mainly because from from my understanding like managers more focused on like uh, shaping your career yeah, and help build you up exactly and, yeah and have and, you prepped for when the time comes and agents are helping with sales yeah so um i mean obviously like fuck yeah if i got an agent that would be tight like <laughs> sure but um getting a team is exactly yeah. exactly and so that's kind of like whichever avenue that leads to um is fine with me and that's the intention is uh is it the writing is is it writing solely, or is the intention ideally that you'd be directing said thing, or is at this point it's like let's get something sold and and get some momentum? Yeah, spot on. You're you're right on with that. Like uh, right now, it's like the because we tr- like we went the whole route already with like writing something and then trying to like get it off the ground with me directing, and like it's just so tough because like no one wants to take leaps on like directors on first time feature directors sure like um that's it's a tough it's a gamble and then you have to like you have to have a whole bunch of shit to prove your worth and then you're scraping peanuts and then you know you're like setting yourself up to fail almost because it's like here's no money now go make something good and it's like okay like sure sure. how do you want me to fucking do that like you're tying my hands behind my back so um so uh, with this new script, though, we, like, really resonated and connected with it, um, like, fundamentally. And, and um, I think this script is, like, much more of a focus. Of, like, the intent was, like, to sell this and or, like, use it to get recognition. Okay. Um, so the focus has been much more on writing um, and then, like, in time transitioning into um, using that to write indirect. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so that's that, and then script supervising. Just keep keep being awesome. Keep yeah, man. <laughs> just keep fucking riding the wave. <laughs> like uh, script souping has been weird since COVID. Um, COVID hit, killed the industry, and then 
Um, it came back with just like a shit ton of commercial work, like so many commercials. Ooh. I've like in the past since COVID started, I've done more commercials than I've ever done in my whole career. Like I'm constantly doing commercial work, and it's a blessing. And like you know, knock on wood that it like persists. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah. So I'm doing like a shit ton of commercial work, and so I'm just riding that wave, baby. For <laughs> like, sure. For sure. Hopefully that keeps coming my way, and it allows me to allows me more time yeah, to, to that, write. And you, then you can fund your own feature with that. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, baby. Hey. Maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe. All right. Cool. Um. Well. Awesome. I will kind of, I guess, pretty much leave it at that. Cool. I appreciate you coming out and talking talking some continuity. And, yeah, of uh, course. Where can, I don't know, last, last question I normally ask is where can people follow you on your yeah. journey and stuff? I don't I don't think you put yourself out there in that way, but is there a no, place people could? Me. Oh, yeah. I'm on Instagram. It's literally my name. It's at Aaron Sauerland. Okay. And uh, you can find me on Twitter under the same handle. And... Um, are you active there? Doing, uh, yeah, like, I'm more active on Twitter recently, but um, I'm pretty pretty flaunting, on, you know, on my Instagram. I, I I put it out there. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I know, like, I always I'm enticed with Twitter. I've never really given it a shot, but like from the writer perspective, exactly, is it's a good way of putting blurbs and showcase how witty you are and all that. That's a hundred percent. Like okay. as I was I mentioned earlier, like. I've really focused on like being active in the writer community more and Twitter is like a great avenue for that because like screenwriting Twitter is like a toxic cesspool but also has great great little nuggets in there so (laughs) sounds lovely you got to navigate it like this industry yeah cool (laughs) all right well all right bye everybody thanks bye guys